This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I am joined in studio with my good friend, Jim Sebastio. Jim, thanks for being here again. Thanks, Brian. Good to see you again. Always good to have these conversations with you. Uh, Before we get going, just briefly want to remind everybody two things. One is... If this podcast has been helpful to you, would you drop us a review on iTunes? There's been several people give reviews, and those have been very encouraging and helpful for Jim and I to think through formatting stuff. So if this has been helpful, would you do that for us? And also, if you want to help financially support the ministry, this podcast, as well as so many other things we're doing, you can visit the website at practicalshepherding.com. And there's a donate button there. Feel free to go there. And support us financially. You can also maneuver through the website, and you can see all the things that we're doing. But we're grateful for those who support us in so many different ways. Or if you have questions you'd like us to deal with or subjects you'd like us to deal with, drop us a note. Definitely. There is a con- there's contact information there that you can uh, write us. Many of you do, and the website's the best way to write us and get questions to us, some that have turned into podcasts because you all have asked great questions. And so Jim and I are helped in that way. What we want to uh, talk about today is, I deal with this a lot in that pastors trying to figure out whether they stay or go, how long, not just how long to stay, but what are the circumstances for someone to resign and, and leave, and, and so we're going we're gonna to deal with that. Let me set it up briefly just from a biblical standpoint, and I'm going to turn it to Jim, who's thought a lot about this. Uh, Paul, in his missionary journeys, we see him go places, and he is, in one hand, he is greeted greet with hostility and persecution, and yet he he turns right around and goes back in and s- keeps slugging away and keeps preaching the gospel and keeps fighting. Then there's other times he goes somewhere and meets the same hostility and says and shakes the dust off his feet as he says. We find this in the middle of Acts, and he and he leaves. You have 1 Corinthians 16, where Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he specifically says, I want to come to you, but I need to stay in Ephesus longer because there's this wide door of ministry that's opened up, and there are many adversaries. Paul actually says the adversaries are why he needs to stay in Ephesus and not come yet to Corinth, So, which is an interesting paradigm because so many pastors think the hostility they face tells them they're supposed to leave. But Paul is saying there, it's actually the hostility, the adversaries there that makes him say he's supposed to stay. So Some Jim, guys have just turned this broad, uh, podcast off. No. You think, yeah, right. You never know. Or <laughs> really, the last thing they wanted to hear. Or really intrigued either way. Right. So, so Jim, help us kind of set this up. What are the categories we need to think about as men try to think about staying at their church? Is it time to stay? Is it time to go? How do we think through this? Yeah. Brian, I'm going to begin this by saying I came from a I come from a background, a tradition, uh, ecclesiastically, where you just stay. You know, pastors stay for decades, and uh, we were not going to be like some of our friends who had the you know where their denominations had the 18 month or two year as the average. You know, I'm that, SBC. You can say that. That's exactly what oh, it is, is that for what us. I was talking about? Oh, it is. Yes, okay. but that's that's exactly sure. three years is the last record I heard. Okay, so three is getting better. I guess that's so. better than it was, I think. So. I'm not Good. sure I see that as improvement, but yeah, okay. No, so I, I think some men need to think through, again, it gets back to this issue, is what is my role? What is my relationship and what is my calling? Is being a pastor about myself and about the stepping stones that come? So again, the traditional thing too often is start off with a small church. That's a stepping stone to a bigger church, to a bigger church, to a bigger church. I can remember being horrified years ago, coming across a, a man who, who I knew was a pastor here in town. 
I ran into him at the airport. He just told me he had accepted a call at another place. And I said, wow, well, who's going to take care of your flock here? Huh. And he just shrugged his shoulders, kind of like, eh. <laughs> and, and, and really? I, I, I mean, I was horrified. Yeah. I was horrified that he would leave his flock shepherdless. And I thought, well, they weren't really your flock. You didn't really care about them. So let's establish that you are a man who is committed not just to doing your job, getting a paycheck. You've gone through seminaries. So you put all your eggs in one basket. You need to be in ministry. So you've applied for a church and you've gotten a job. And so it's your job. But let's say it is that you care for the flock. You're going to even account for the flock. You right. love and you serve. So let's take that. That's the standard we're That's working from on this podcast. That's the standard we're going to work yep. with. Yep. All right. And if, guys, if you're not there, you need to consider whether you ought to be in ministry. Yeah. All right. So I think there's the internal, there can be an internal thought pressures. There's a subjective of, of various pressures that make you wonder, is it time to go? And then you've touched on the external. There are the external. There's grumblings. There's There may be a movement to get rid of you. Brian, you, I know you've at least dealt with the second one. And your story is out there. You You went through five different three different okay i'm sorry three so and five three in the first three five, and years. five years yeah. that's what it was yep. all right so not five and three years it was no. three and five so three big separate attempts on the part of what deacons members uh a petition to get rid of uh yeah it was firebrian.com yeah well, yeah it was it was it was a for the first was a staff person that tried to do that then it came out of the other leaders, deacons and, and other leaders, the, the the other two times. And they were saying, well, we've been talking to people in the church. People don't want you here. It really came out of, it was, again, it was, I'm in a Southern Baptist church that's congregational. So any SBC guys listening to this will be able to relate to this well. This is, this is one of the tensions of pastoring in an SBC church is that, you're voted in as the pastor, but then you can also be voted out as sure. the pastor. There's nothing preventing that. So in a dysfunctional, unhealthy church with a few people who maybe run it and have a stranglehold on it and control it, then you are at the mercy of what they can rally up to get a, a vote to happen. That's why a lot of guys end up getting run out of their churches based on that. So why didn't you take that either as the Lord's leading or as uh, just a sense of, why wow, they're not with me, I'm hurt, it would be better to go? What made you decide that, no, I, I, I need to... For lack of a better term, I need to fight this. I, yeah. I need to say, well, okay, let's bring it to the church. Is that what you did? Did you take it to the church? And was there a vote of confidence that you won? It never had to go to there because God just seemed to orchestrate it in a way that we were able to head it off to where it got to those places. But, uh, yeah, it's a that's a loaded question. I, the couple answers that come to mind is, first, I went to this church from day one seeing it the way that you articulated earlier, and that's, I'm the shepherd of this flock. This is my flock. And it wasn't the whole flock coming after me. It was certain people. But could but I was not going to allow them to run me away from others I was I was trying to care for. And so part of it was a fight to know I, I had a responsibility to to these to these folks here at the church, but also even some of the folks who were coming after me. 
You know, right. I had a responsibility to them. Okay. Just because they didn't to change the culture of the church. That's right. And and I have to realize that just because they maybe don't like me as a pastor doesn't mean they're a wolf. And mm. and so what I found is in a lot of ways their reaction was out of many pastors who came and went and harmed the congregation. So I'm I'm a big believer in when a guy goes in and meets hostility pretty quickly in the church. That's not necessarily because he's done a bunch of stuff to get in trouble. It means he's he's being looked at in that and that pastoral office is not trusted by these people because of previous pastors and they in a sense tra- you know transfer that hostility and those wounds onto that new pastor and he he doesn't know how to make sense of that so i stayed one to because this is the flock i'm supposed to care for two um this was worth fighting for well in what i w- i came to to pastor there this is a church that he's a gospel presence and god had called me there and I wasn't going to tuck my head and, and run. I stayed and fought, and um, and God didn't call. You know, I didn't feel called to leave. And if I don't feel okay. called to leave, then I'm supposed to stay in and stick it out. There were times I thought about. I, I don't know how much more of this you know I can take, especially right. after the third attempt, which almost split the church and just imploded in year five. That was pretty wore out. I, I, had, I was having health issues. There was a lot going on. So I I believe that. God can use those situations to let you know it's it's time to go. But I think there's way too many guys who take the external pressures from others as a sign uh, to leave. I think even leaving a church and resigning, the, the clearest, uh, the, the most clarity you have with that is when things are going well. And there's other people, other, as you said, other shepherds that are there that can still care for the church when you leave. But you've got to see that as your post. And you can't leave a church without a shepherd, which is what happens in so many of these these churches when just a single pastor leaves like that. Wow, Brian, let's talk a little bit about uh, internal pressures or feelings. Uh, what's legitimate? What's illegitimate? What's um, where do you seek help? So, for instance, let's say a guy is taking a church and and and. He, and sometimes maybe again not not in the best way it's one of these you know you you send out your resume and you go and you do your trial sermon you need money you're you got to pay off your loans there's all kinds of stuff that goes off pressure so you take the little church and podunkville because at least it's a paycheck and you and your family arrive there and let's say for instance it's an older church um, your wife feels isolated, your kids don't have friends, and the pressures may be coming from your family. It may be coming from the fact that you're preaching to half a dozen or a dozen people uh, every week. This isn't what you envisioned. Uh, sometimes you're just you've gone through a time when honestly you're just worn out, um, you're discouraged. And you think the best solution is to resign? So, Brian, you you've at least you you've walked through some of that with your family, with your kids, mm-hmm. um, with your wife, I think. And, uh, and when is it that you need? When is it that you need a break? When is it that you need a sabbatical? When is it you need a nap? When is it that <laughs> you need family counseling? You know, yeah. what is it that goes into all of this that makes you say, you know what, no. I, I, I am discerning that for the sake of my my family and 
that it's okay for the sake of my even financially uh, the recognition that you're just you're not making it and you do need to provide for your own my general some of those things the general rule of thumb that i tell so many guys is that you have to stay a minimum of five years at a church to truly see if the church is going to respond to your leadership to see the fruit of your ministry come out now that there's exceptions to that rule but as a general rule, I still think that's true. And again, I'm speaking out of it. This isn't, in your circles, this is not much of a conversation to have. But in SBC circles where guys are staying three years or less, this is an important conversation because if I'm right and you have to stay a minimum of five years to begin to see the fruit of your work and to earn the trust of these people who have been wounded, three if you leave in three years, you don't ever see it and the cycle right. continues. So that's the first thing is try to stick it out Help your wife, help your kids stick it out a certain amount of years to see if you're going to see that fruit, to, to see if you're going to see kids come and other women come for your wife. Like If you give it two years, that's not enough time to potentially see the fruit that could come in years five, six, and, and seven. Yeah, because we could talk at another time, Brian, about if you're in that situation, maybe how do you handle that? How do you provide something for your wife? How do you right. try to provide something for your kids and maybe even utilize other churches in the area? with events so that's so that's that's good counsel because i think there's a those those can be separate issues that's no sign in and of itself that you should resign that's right um so there's that internal pressure what about that you've dealt with guys no doubt brian who you just kind of have this monkey on their back this or to change the analogy you got this dark cloud hanging over them Mm -hmm. they're just discouraged they feel like nothing's happening uh you know, should they be in ministry at all? Should they, you know, or, or is it just would the change of environment help? Would they suddenly uh, be thriving if they just had a different flock, if they were just in a different circumstance? I think that a change of scenery can be make a difference. I think generally that's not the case because what in my experience, all churches are dysfunctional and broken and full of sinners, just like every other church. So as I watch somebody struggle in a church and and they think just a chif- different church is going to fix it all, right. I, I usually press back on that, even though I recognize that could be the case. I think there's different kinds of gifted pastors. There are some that should go into a dying church and go fight the, the oppression and the adversity that has killed that church for 30 years. Right. There are certain guys who have that fight and those gifts to go do that kind of right. work. There are some guys who are just really good shepherds and love people well, but don't have that same fight in They're them. They're good maintainers. Yeah, and, and so I think you have to acknowledge the different gifts matter. So help. So if you're listening to this, determining what your gifts are, you may need to go be an associate pastor to shepherd people and be a, a fellow elder with another senior pastor who needs the support and help. So you have somebody to support you. He has somebody to support him. And you're not the lead guy to try to make all this happen in these difficult churches. or And so guys who are struggling a year or two in and they're just drowning, you know, that's the places I try to get them to become self-aware and what's going on. Uh, so that's that's a big piece to it is trying to figure out what is um, what are my gifts and not just should I be in ministry, but what kind of ministry is God calling me to? One of the things I think you're touching on, Brian, is that if you're struggling with this area, you should seek counsel. Yes. Don't don't make this decision on your own. Don't make it, as you often say, on a Monday. Yeah. Uh, don't make it after your wife has 
gone through a, a maybe a particularly discouraging time is the recognition sometimes is how you feel on Tuesday is not how you're going to feel on Friday. Yep. And if you make a big life-changing decision based on how you feel on one day, well, then yep. it's undone. If that's the sole basis upon which you, you made it. Well, I feel a tension in the ministry that we do, Jim, with, at Practical Shepherding here because I love being able to help guys who contact us and try to make some sense to try to help in some way. The downside to that is if they're writing us through the website, often means they're they don't have other people to go to and know where to seek help. So the encouragement is if you have other pastors you know, you need to develop those relationships with other pastors. You need to have people outside your church you can go and have conversations, share your heart, share how you're struggling, and and, and talk to those guys about that. Um, You know, Especially for SBC guys who have associations, state conventions, there are guys that hopefully are available to you and doing good work in those places but you need to talk to somebody never make this never make this decision alone and i think generally maybe find somebody who has more experience than you've had not not just a peer if you're a young guy definitely don't just use a peer uh find somebody that's got some battle scars uh and that's been through the fight that's right and, and they'll let you know yeah i think that that's legitimate that's illegitimate um you know, when are you hurting yourself? When are you hurting the flock? You know, by your indecision. Mm. I mean, those are all things that can go into that. Brian, would you tell a church uh, that you know that you're thinking of leaving, that you're thinking of going somewhere else uh, huh. publicly? Would you ever have you ever made? Was there ever like a hey, if you all don't like it, uh, this is the way the church is going to be. This is my ministry. You don't like it. Um, I've got other places I could go. Is there? I mean, I'm sure guys have said stuff like that. Well, I know they've said stuff like well, that. That is a really complicated issue. It's it's involved with this conversation for sure. But, I mean, I get asked that a lot, especially guys who are at a church and interviewing at another church. Mm. At what point— Do you let it be known? Yeah, at what point? And there is no rule for that, I think, <laughs> in general, because it really is case by case. I will say this, that um, you want to be careful on— telling everybody this too soon because what i've watched is guys who will start an interview once a church finds out you want to leave officially want to leave to where you're interviewing another church it's almost done even if you decide to stay you you very likely will sabotage your your ministry there um brian how often in that situation where guys looking elsewhere in your experience is a man motivated by platform and money hmm it's definitely a question that's got to be asked, um, and they have to be honest and aware of what really is behind what why they want to move and leave. Is the, that ever legitimate? Is the question of money, and let, uh, let's use a less explosive term than platform, usefulness. Well, I think platform is is helpful word to use in a sense that it, it exposes whether it's actually a platform issue. Right. I would say this: platform is is different in my mind than money and strategy. So I, I mm. like the I like the terminology of a bigger uh, our platform is what God gives us. Okay. I, I don't so for those who chase a bigger church to have a bigger platform, what, what whatever we understand that to be, I'm I rarely gonna ever encourage somebody to do that. Um is God calling you to a more strategic place for the kingdom? So if God, you know, I've often said, I mean, we're in Louisville, Kentucky, Jim. I mean, like per capita, maybe the most, the, the most churches in the world in a one city that the, preaches yeah. the gospel faithfully. Right. 
if if God calls me to a church in Scotland, I you know I would consider that potentially because of the strategic move of that. Okay. Oh, good. All right. So I appreciate that because because yeah. that's not a pla- that's not a bigger guys platform. are going to hear this and say strategic means bigger. Yeah. See, that's not a bigger. That's that's a smaller More platform. People, right. But From, it might be strategic in regard to there's not a gospel witness there. Exactly. So Very there's a good. whole city. In, if there's a whole city in Scotland, and I love Scotland, just as an example, and I find out there's no gospel presence in the entire city. Right. That's kingdom strategy, exactly. not Croft strategy. Well, and that's not a bigger platform. That's not right. going to be an easier post than what I've got. Right, right now, no way. Right, so, right, right. so I think platform feels like I'm doing this so I can like, so I can be known by more people. How am I going to get a book deal? And How I can I get a get book deal, and I can speak right. at a conference. One of the things in God's kind providence that's been interesting with His ministry is I go places to speak, or and, and people know I write books. They're amazed. I pastor a church with 80 people, <laughs> and I love that. Because right. I'm not the guy that typically gets to do this other stuff. This is a strange providence God's given me. Yes, but I, I do. I pastor. I pastor 80 people. We have a hundred twenty thousand dollar annual budget. Right, and so not impressive in the least <laughs> in most people's standards. So right. I, there's, I'm, I could. Right. A platform is not the issue. It's it's strategy. Money is is a mixed bag because we have to be able to provide for our families, and but. Again, we've had podcasts on bivocational ministry and things that that you should reference with that. You can still stay at a place and work and and do that that kind of job. But money in a in a greedy way versus money of look, I just can't support my family with this many kids, and I and that is a more can be a little more legitimate move depending on the issue. So, all right, so maybe let's close with this, Brian. Yep. What's the difference between killing yourself and crucifying yourself and what i mean by that is Mm. where is it legitimate self-denying love Mm. and where is it stubborn you're killing yourself you're killing yourself you're killing your family uh and it's not just righteous sacrificial labor it's it's a case of the stubborns wow um that's a really great question um that's a good question I think however guys listening to this want to define it, but that's really the distinction is crucifying yourself or or killing yourself is a good distinction because Jesus calls us to lay down our life Absolutely. in self-denial. We're shepherds of sheep. We're to lay down our life for the sheep just like Jesus did for us. So um, I think everybody has to figure out that for themselves. I don't think there's a, a particular line. I will say this, you know, you, you don't, kill yourself and harm yourself for this uh, as far as what that might mean. Like one, I remember in year five, I went to the doctor because I was having heart issues mm. over what was going on. Right. So like those are real issues. Like you don't lose your marriage over any ministry. You just right. don't. And so um, those are the lines I would say that are clear to me. Like killing yourself is harming yourself in an in a irreversible way. Or losing your marriage or losing your family over any ministry is not okay. And would you encourage a man who's really struggling with this to say, before you make the decision to resign, just take a break. And maybe Defin- even, yeah. maybe, maybe take two, three weeks, get away, rest, refresh, 
and see if that if 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 a nap can handle it. You know, you know what I mean by that. Yeah. By nap, and by nap, I'm I'm not being cutesy there. I'm saying it may be it may be a week or two or three. Yeah. But that may rejuvenate you to be able to go on. You're just worn out, and it's not that you need to resign. It's that you need to rest. Well, why don't we close with this? Because I, I think this is some good parting words. Here's the typical advice I give to somebody who calls me and says, "I'm not sure how much longer I can do this. Right. I don't know what to do, but I'm not sure how much longer I can do this." One as we, we say a lot, like don't make the decision on Monday. Right. Uh, that's the starting point. Two is find a way to get some rest and away from the church. Right. There is a, you know, you may not be able to swing a two month sabbatical, but like figure out how, go to your leaders and say, look, I, I need some time to regroup and bring other people in to appeal to your church if need right. be. I've gone to churches and said, your pastor needs a break. I don't care what you really think about this. If you want to do what's been best interest, you need to listen to me. Right. And a lot of times churches will. Um, but you know, so bring somebody in to advocate for you if you don't feel like you're in a place where you can do that. Right. Get away for a certain amount of time. Get counseling and help from yeah. either other pastors who can help you or even go sit down with a t- trained counselor. Like I would encourage guys to at least talk to other pastors they trust and get time away to regroup away from the pressures before any decisions made at all. Excellent. So Jim, will you pray for guys as they're listening to this? They, they're in different places with this. I mean, they're, I, I know all kinds of guys. I hear from them all the time. I'm glad to hear from you. Write us if you're listening to this and you're resonating with this and you don't have anybody to turn to. Will you write us because we want to help you and maybe even know somebody in your area that you could turn to. So, uh, so Jim, would you pray for those guys in particular who are listening to this? Yeah. Yep. Our Father, we recognize that the men for whom we now pray are men who are most likely in pain and confusion. And so, Father, we pray that by your word and by your spirit and by the aid of your children, that you'll minister to them and give to them, Father, uh, a quietness and peace and wisdom. Give to them, uh, Heavenly Father, a refreshment of soul that will allow them to make wise decisions that are necessary for uh, for their ultimate good, for the good of their families, and, and then for the good of the flock. We trust this into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.